Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and... Ashley. And a special one-time feature third co-host... Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) We did not talk about that intro before, but I kind of love how it turned out. You know, I like it. I like the freedom of it. (laughs) Well, friends, today, as you know, sometimes we have the wonderful pleasure of interviewing mamas about their story and their journeys or interviewing experts in the field of neonatology, maternal fetal medicine, maternal mental health. Today we have something super special for you all in honor of NICU Awareness Month. We thought it'd be wonderful to get together with our BFF Lindsay (laughs) and talk about bonding with our NICU babies. So happy NICU Awareness Month. Woohoo! If I had a confetti popper, I would pop it yes, right now. Yes. <laughs> well, and I just have to take a minute to break on Sweet Lindsay. Oh. Um, I am a very big fan of this woman, and I might start crying because that's just what I do when I talk about all of these beautiful women. But Lindsay wrote a letter for us. Gosh, was this two, three years 200 ago? 200 years yeah. ago. Yeah, like twenty December, I think, 2019. And you know what I'm going to do right now? I am going to look up your letter. I've done this before and put you on the spot because you had a quote that I think about often. Like I'm not, I'm not making this up, but you said, life is not black and white mama. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful maddening befuddling gray. You can be both the dragon guarding your child's door and the one in need of rescue. And I, when I read that line, I was like, Martha, we need to get her on the team. Like instantly <laughs> fell in love with you. Your letter was so stunning, so beautiful. And it truly has been such a gift to have you be on our editorial team. Um, if you have not read, well, if you follow us on Instagram, you more than likely have read some of Lindsay's pieces and they are stunning. She is a gifted and talented writer. And even just in the couple of years that we've had you on our team, your writing has, I don't know, somehow improved. Like from when you started, your writing was already amazing. But to this day, I feel like you've really honed in your craft and it's stunning. You are an amazing mom to Sloan. It's a joy to see your family and all of the beautiful things that you do together. And today we're recording this in July, just happens to be her anniversary. And here she is recording an episode with us. Happy and this is exactly what your spouse wanted to do today. It, it is. This <laughs> He's is He's there extreme. as well. This is how you're, you guys are actually out at a romantic dinner right now recording this. So yes. thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I love it. But, Linz, we're so excited to have you on here and to hear your journey of bonding with Sloan and what that looked like in the NICU and now today. 
And so Martha kind of uh, chatted a little bit about it right away, but this is a roundtable episode. If you've never listened to a roundtable episode before with us, essentially it's just as if we're having coffee. We're sitting down at a coffee shop chatting about our own personal experiences and giving each other some space to chat about our own journeys. And so we are talking all about bonding because as we know, as NICU mothers, sometimes that bond is not immediately felt. It is built and it's built with time. It starts in the NICU and sometimes you don't feel it until you get home. And sometimes it's weeks after you get home and there's no shame in that. And so we're going to talk all about, you know, when our bonding started, some of the setbacks or triumphs of bonding, when we felt like we didn't have a bond, when we started to feel it. And we hope that this episode just affirms that you're not broken. You're not broken if you immediately felt that bond. And there's also no shame if you did. There's no right or wrong way to process the NICU journey and to be a NICU mom. And so we hope that this episode affirms that. So should we hop right in? (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. Martha, do you want to kick us off? Well, yes. Do we want to hear a little bit about uh, Sloan's journey? Yes, I think I think our listeners are demanding to know. <laughs> they want to know about you and your journey. Could you give us Could you give us a little bit of an overview of of Sloan and her her birth story and and her mm-hmm. NICU stay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, Sloan is my one and only kiddo. Um, she was born in May of 2019 um, at 30 weeks gestation. So um, I think the the best way I can describe her birth experience was just an absolute whirlwind train caught in a tornado experience. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So she, um, I actually found out my pregnancy had been totally normal. Um, Nothing weird, nothing to cause alarm. Um, I had delved deep into the Bradley method of natural childbirth and was 110% on that train. Um, And basically what happened is I had a baby shower scheduled in Denver, where I'm from. And so um, my OB required that I go in for a quick check before I got on an airplane, which looking back, thank goodness they did, because... Um, I went in and my blood pressure was skyrocketing. Um, Mm -hmm. My kidneys were in trouble. It was just a complete 180 from the time I'd been in the office literally the week before. I don't think it had even been five days at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were admitted right away. I was put on lovely magnesium, which (laughs) (laughs) just will always be a swear word. Yep, always. Um, best word to shout when you hit your toe on a table, <laughs> for sure. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> yeah. Meg! Oh, oh magnesium. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, basically what ended up happening is as I was there, um, it went from a 24 hour watch to a 48 hour watch to a, you're going to be here until you have this baby, which you know, at this point, I was a teacher, I should probably preface. So Mm -hmm. I was looking at my PTO and having a bit of a panic attack, because, you know, I'd taken off time to go to my baby shower. um, But not for the entire end of the school year, um, which is a hard time to get PTO. And so um, then, uh, 
when Sloan, um, when I was at exactly 30 weeks for Sloan, um, that is when I got diagnosed with HELP syndrome. And so she was born literally um, a couple hours after that diagnosis mm-hmm. came in um, at exactly 30 weeks. And um, yeah, she had a relatively uneventful NICU stay. It was very long. It was 74 days um, because her lungs were and continue to kind of be a struggle for her. Um, and she just kind of did things at her own at her own pace. Her primary nurse actually nicknamed her Sloan the Sloth because she oh, would cute. sleep a lot. <laughs> and then, cute. <laughs> and she would eat very slowly. Um, she took the mm. full 30 minutes to eat and there was no rushing her through it. Um, Love that. Yeah. So she has a lot of sloth things um, now <laughs> because that was her that was her nickname. She no longer embodies that. She's three and she's a uh, um, <laughs> bullet. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but um, we, we took a long time coming off and on breathing support. Um, everything that they said would take a day took her four. Um, but we were very lucky to come home without oxygen to be able to um, kind of ease her into non-NICU life. Um, she was just cleared by her pulmonologist a couple of months ago to be consult mm-hmm. only, which is huge. Um, and so, so yeah, we're kind of inching toward whatever normal is now, mm-hmm. which is kind yeah. of exciting. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's fun to get to hear it audibly too. I feel like I've known it from pieces that you've <laughs> written and different things, but it's just fun to hear you share about it. And I think that's adorable. Slow in the sloth. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I love that. Oh. So Lindsay, I think mm-hmm. it's most appropriate that we direct our first discussion question towards you, which is mm-hmm. what did you anticipate bonding with Sloan would look like? What did you dream it looked like? Especially knowing that you were going to do the, it's the Brady method, right? Um, Bradley. Yeah. Bradley. Like the Brady bunch is what it I was is. thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm illiterate. So fun oh. fact. About <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I had, I will say I am a relatively type a person so i had a very detailed birth plan that i had obsessively researched and written with little Mm -hmm. flags and colors and (laughs) scenarios if a happens then we do this 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 if b happens then we do this 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 um and basically what i had envisioned is of course that golden hour that you know she's going to be born nothing's going to happen for that full hour she's going to be right on my chest we're going to do lots of snuggles and pictures and like all of this i had a playlist this whole idea of what this this whole thing was going to be um and you know i think for me especially early in the experience that i think was the biggest kind of shock to my system is how literally nothing went according to plan. Everything mm-hmm. went in a different direction. Um, and trying to kind of come to terms with the fact that I'd done all this research and there's all this science out there saying that these, the first hour is critical for bonding and this, you know, critical for breastfeeding and critical for all these things. And she didn't get any of that. And I was, you know, about, three stories above the hospital on magnesium, not able mm-hmm. to even connect with her at all for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, I definitely had a very 
storybook kind of vision of what that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. So, Ash, I I was just going to ask you what what you anticipated but also now we've talked about it so many times i don't know what you anticipated and what i anticipate it's all blended in so maybe you should share where you're yeah yes oh yes well similarly Lindsay, i also envisioned those first moments upon birth and as a photographer i've actually photographed a couple of births i have photographed a home birth and a hospital birth in both times the pictures where the mom first Mm. holds and Mm. meets the baby are the most powerful pictures right and so i definitely i remember too when like my friends were pregnant i would get teary-eyed thinking about that moment for them Mm. i'd be like you guys you get to have that moment like you get to do that or when you hear the cry and everything that you see on the the movies and the tv shows or the commercials even it's always that first moment and so it was kind of the same thing that's what I always envisioned and where I envisioned the bonding starting and where you really you know got to put a face to this baby that you'd been carrying for nine months hopefully right (laughs) so similarly that's when that's when I that's what I envisioned when I thought of bonding but how about you, Martha? I know you had two very different birthing experiences. And, you know, did you anticipate or envision bonding looking a certain way before both of your kids? I really don't remember. I'm yeah. trying to think now. And then you have more, when you have more than one, you're like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I've been wearing the same bra for three days. So um, <laughs> I think it gets hard. When I really think back, um, Yes, all of the above. I really, I really felt like it would go smoothly. I felt I had been watching a lot with my pregnancy with my son, a lot of Call the Midwife, which I would Mm. not recommend to any (laughs) pregnant person. But it, uh, I watched a lot of that. And that show had a really like a wide range of experiences. But for the most part, it ended up okay. And it was so beautiful. And these sweet British nuns would hand these babies over. And it was just so lovely. Um, So I definitely anticipated that. I also, you know, what I really anticipated was feeling an immediate bond. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, um, Looking at, you know, how people say you fall in love when you see your baby mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, some, maybe you're, you're worried, but you see them and you're overcome by your maternal parental instincts, you know? So that's mm-hmm. what I was really anticipating. And my sister actually had just had a baby and she said, um, even actually after I delivered, she said, just wait till you see the baby. You're going to fall in love. You'll feel so much better as soon as you see the baby, Right. So mm-hmm. that's definitely what it was. That instant fall in love moment I think I was I was anticipating too. Yeah. And also sure. not like nearly dying. I think most yeah. of us probably were all not <laughs> well, and anticipating yeah. that. Yeah. All three of us had very like life altering birth situations where we weren't there wasn't an option to go see your baby immediately because mm-hmm. they were taking care of us. And that's its own level of like grief when you think about how, you know, you could have you could have almost died. Mm-hmm. You know, you delivered under these like very life-threatening circumstances and then you still don't get to see them right away. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. I remember the first picture I saw of Silas was when I woke up from, because I was put under for my birth. And I woke up and Ryan showed me a picture on his phone. Mm-hmm. And he was like, here's our son. And I was like, what? 
Like, it was just, like, yeah. and he was, of course, like, begged. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. just, like, very alarming. He was beautiful, but I was, like, Wait, what? Who is that? Like, who is that? Like, yeah. I, you know, you're so out of it. Yeah. Um, and so that comes with its own level of, like, grief that you have to kind of heal from. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, maybe this will get, we'll get to this question later, too. But, you know, how did you... Now that we're all about three to five years out from our birth experiences, you know, how did you, how have you reconciled some of those early losses of, of what you envisioned bonding to look like? You know, what has been some of the things you've been able to encourage yourself or tell yourself now that you've been a few years out of it? I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing that has helped is, um, something one of my friends told me, which is I had kind of opened up to her about just not having that moment that, you know, you guys described of this like overwhelming love. I just felt overwhelming fear. Like I was Mm -hmm. absolutely terrified. And that kind of morphed for me into this like hyper aware, hyper protective, like almost constant anxiety around her health and my, like my attachment with her and noticing it constantly that Mm -hmm. maybe today's the day that I'm going to feel something. Oh my God, I don't, I'm the worst. And then Mm -hmm. backing into this, like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to compensate. I'm going to pump more than anybody. I'm going Mm -hmm. to be there all the time. I'm going to memorize her notes. I'm going to do all these things because it was, it was compensating. It was me saying, I'm not feeling what I feel like I'm supposed to. So I'm going to fake it till I make it almost. Mm-hmm. And one of the things my friend said, who's um, a really just wonderful soul, was she's like, how could you expect to feel that bond with someone who you haven't met, like who you haven't had a chance to see personality, you haven't had a chance to experience who they are yet, like mm-hmm. you you don't know them. So mm-hmm. you can love them, but you don't know them yet. And that to me felt like permission to be like, oh, okay. Like I don't have mm-hmm. to have this sudden outpouring of golden sunshine with her. Like I can say, we are in this together. We're figuring it out together. We're working on it together. But we're going to get to know each other through this. We're going to mm-hmm. figure out each other. I'm figuring out who I am as a mom. You're figuring mm-hmm. out who you are as a person. <laughs> like we're just mm-hmm. gonna make this make this work together. And I think taking that pressure off, it took about probably until she was five or six months old before I mm-hmm. stopped feeling that pressure of yeah, I need to feel this the way that yeah. again movies and TV shows have shown us that it should be yeah. versus yeah. you know what my reality was. I think you bring up a really good point, Lindsay, which is I think outside of the NICU experience and outside of traumatic birth, (laughs) there is not one way to bond with your baby (laughs) at all. And there's no one way to feel. And that kind of glowy immediate moment is to some extent a myth because it isn't true for 100% of people all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one thing to realize. I'm so glad that your friend validated that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is that before we can experience any type of emotion, we have to know that we're safe. Safety precedes every other feeling that we can possibly have, right? So it totally makes sense. Like you you were in such a precarious health position for yourself and for Sloan. I'm 
I'm glad your friends uh, said that to you to give you permission mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she's right. You you probably around that six month mark started to feel more like yourself and started to feel mm-hmm. like uh, you knew you felt more self assured and safe in your own body, and therefore mm-hmm. all the feelings started to flood for Sloan. Then, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Cool because think- you're cool, and you you <laughs> overcame that. That was all your work that did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and I think this episode is going to, that I hope is the resounding message. You know, you just said permission and mm-hmm. there's no one right or one right or wrong way. And I mean, we're only what, 20 minutes in and that we've already probably said that three times because mm-hmm. we need to be reminded of that often, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when you go on social media or you watch another show or you watch another movie and you feel like you don't see yourself and you're like, what? <laughs> and so when you give yourself that permission to feel how you feel in that moment, to take away the timeline of what bonding should or should not be or how it should or should not be felt, it makes such a difference in actually establishing a bond mm-hmm. with your child. Yeah, not starting from a place of shame. I think that right. was my biggest part was that I felt there's so much that goes into you know, a birth experience that is dangerous and that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, feelings around what did I do? How did I impact this? You know, I know for me the day before I had, you know, taken my students on a walk to a park and it's, I live in a very hot and humid place. And so in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, I went on this walk. That's what triggered this whole thing. And now, you know, here we are, it's my fault. And so I think that was the other piece, too, is relinquishing the expectation and then also the shame around it not looking the way that you expected it to and the way that you assume everyone else's does. Um, Because I think that, you know, you can't really, that's a wall that you can't kind of feel around. Like you have to let that go in order to have that vulnerable connection with your baby. And that's so, yeah. it's so much easier said than done. That's again, right. so hard. <laughs> it's such right. a day to day, hour by hour, second by second experience. Um, but that I think is a big part too. Mm-hmm. How about you, Martha? Was there anything that to this day you've been able to tell yourself or something that you've learned in therapy that has helped you, you know, re- reconcile some of those first moments of, of your children's lives? And that bonding. Yeah. I mean, I think it was really challenging with JP because the yeah. course of his life was incredibly brief. So mm-hmm. everything that happened was super, super sudden back to back. But the general sem- sense of, and we've talked about this before, but like numbness that I felt mm-hmm. particularly yeah. with JP's was, is like a, was a real sticking point of shame for me because um, even with JJ, um, and it makes sense because I knew what to expect. I um, felt fear, hypervigilance, of course, but was really able to establish a bond with her um, more initially. JP, there was nothing, you know, nothing. And so mm. that feeling of numbness really made me feel like, um, yeah, I definitely have said to my uh, therapist a couple times, I, I must be a sociopath. I must be a uh, psychopath because I didn't feel anything. And she was like, oh, it sounds like you're just a human being functioning. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But just saying to myself, my body was actually protecting me mm-hmm. because my brain, my nervous system, I was um, in critical condition. I was in the ICU. I was not well. 
um, my body was protecting me while also allowing me to be present for my baby during these final, these first and final moments of his mm-hmm. life. Um, and actually, isn't that really incredible that you did that? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's something I have to remind myself about on the regs. And, <laughs> you know, I, my husband and I talk about it all the time too, um, that my body was protecting me and my body was just doing what anybody would do in in, in a completely unfair and horrible situation yeah you know i'm not the epicenter of the trauma i'm i'm there you know what i mean i'm there and i'm i'm actually diving over my baby right as this Mm -hmm. as this thing hits um Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's good Mm -hmm. so i think all three of us weren't able to hold our babies right away and Ash, you said that you saw a picture and that was the first time you saw Silas. What mm-hmm. are some of the ways that, you know, you, what, what did bonding look like when you weren't able to hold him right away? Man, it's hard to like think back to those <laughs> first moments because there was just so much happening at the time. Um, in fact, I remember this, this story very well of um we had a primary nurse that I just adored this is she ended up um once Silas got to a certain point she wasn't our primary but for the first couple weeks she was and I just remember feeling I mean you're just terrified to do anything wrong right like you could do the hand hugging you know where you Mm -hmm. just like touch their Mm -hmm. little body really quickly and different things but um you know one a couple of things that she encouraged me to do was to do his um his cares so we got to well I guess we weren't holding yet but I got to help like check the temperature change Mm -hmm. the diaper some of those things that felt like I was I was a parent even if it felt super super limited um but she could kind of tell that I was scared to touch you know even or anything like that and she goes Ash have you have you read him a book yet and I was like what read him a book like you know what are you talking about I can barely talk in this nursery and she was like I want you to read him a book go to the you know child life specialist area pick out a book that looks fun to you and read him a book and so she brought me a few options and I picked one out and I read my son a book for the first time Mm -hmm. and it was the first time I felt like a real mom Mm -hmm. because it was the first normal thing (laughs) that we had Mm -hmm. done together and to this day we have that book and every time I read it I just think about that first time that I was like, wow, this is what made me feel like a mom. Mm-hmm. And so I know we get to that question later of, of ways that your NICU team encouraged bonding. But if I hadn't been pushed, I don't know how I would have done that. So um, for me, it was just reading and talking to him and just doing whatever I could to feel like I was just a glimpse of a mom because I didn't always feel like one. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. What book was it? Was it Everybody Poops? <laughs> no, it was um, Giraffes Can't Dance. Oh my gosh, oh, I love that yeah. book. Gerald, Gerald too. the Giraffe. That's so sweet. <laughs> and so now that we'll read it, we'll be like, Giraffes Can't Dance. Like, he's just so cute about it. He's three, so he's oh, just, yeah. So, so that was our first book together. Oh, good. That's so sweet. Um, how about sweet. you guys? Lindsay, what about you? What did it look like when you weren't able to hold Sloan yet? Yeah, I think um, her first week or so was really looking back on it now I realize how um kind of touch and go it was I think at the time I didn't fully grasp how critical she was 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so we couldn't even do the hand hugs at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, We we could stand next to her isolate, but they were keeping her mostly in the dark, um, touching her as little as possible, kind of just giving her very little stimulation. Um, And so for me, what I started doing um, every day, I would go and sit kind of in her little area in the critical care unit and they would come by and do rounds. And so I would write down all of the notes that the doctors were saying. I didn't understand 98% of what they were saying, but I'd write it down (laughs) anyway. Yeah. And one thing that I did just almost, I don't even know what made me do it, but I started writing them in the form of letters to her. So Mm -hmm. I would start writing notes and say, I'm going to get a little emotional. Say, um, like, dear Sloan, today your oxygen was at this. And today the doctor said you are doing this really well. And, like, write mm-hmm. little encouraging, like, anecdotes to her. And say, you know, I was here from this time to this time today. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm proud of you for X. And so even though I didn't have... um the ability to, you know, touch her or even, I mean, they were discouraging noise. So it was very quiet, but it was a way for me to feel like she was a part of it, of what we were doing. Um, And I did that for probably the first 40 days, I think, of her stay, writing it in that way. And then I just started talking to her about it. And that that was a big shift of like, oh, mm-hmm. now I'm going to tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and that was, uh, I don't know, that was the way that I felt most connected to her at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And see, that's incredibly lovely and also very you. <laughs> like, if you're, yes. I would not have thought to do that. Well, and now, like, I can only imagine what that's going to be like for Sloane when she can read those mm-hmm. and see those love notes to her of, like, just how adored and all the things that she overcame at days old. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be yeah, amazing. So cool. yeah. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. What about you, Martha? Um, JJ's was really similar, you know, trying to get involved in cares and singing to her. Um, you know, with JP, I, it was a little more precarious just because the, the first time I held him was the last time I held him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when they told us that he probably wouldn't survive, I kind of felt like, even though I felt really numb, I kind of felt like, okay, well, my duty is I've just got to tell him all the things that I need to tell him for a lifetime. Sorry. Um, so I need to go get it all out and, uh, let him know because this is it. This is all we have. So I went there and you know, if you can't touch, then you just use your, you use your voice. Right. Mm-hmm. And they said, he knows that you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, they do know your voice. Right. And, uh, uh, I think maybe even like his, his stats would improve when, when you mm-hmm. were talking, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just told him all the things that I could think of that he was loved beyond measure over and over again, that we'd miss him so much that we were sorry this would, this had happened to him, that, that we'd see him soon. I told him all about the people waiting for him, you know, and up in, mm-hmm. up in heaven. Cause we're, you know, uh, we're 
we have faith. And so I just, I said all those things and I said, you're not alone. Mommy's here. I love you. And I did that for hours, mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours. And so I think that's one of those things I was remembering back to is that even like Lindsay with your letters and mm-hmm. it, it's a, uh, it's work. And, and even though you might not feel it right away, you, that in itself is an act of an incredible love, right? Mm-hmm. The words that you say to them, the effort that you're putting in, the protection you're wrapping them in, even though it doesn't feel uh, comfy, I guess that's the <laughs> word. It doesn't feel good to us because it requires incredible sacrifice on our end mm-hmm. to push through, even though it hurts like heck. And Martha, as your friend too, again, I feel like I'm always jumping ahead, but it's like, how do you not? But, um, as your friend, I see the bond that you have with JP just as deep and as significant as you have with JJ. Mm-hmm. The so way cool. that you talk about him, the way that you honor him, it feels just as deep and significant, even though it was only those three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you for always sharing about the moments and the ways that you connected with him and bonded with him because I, we see it. We mm-hmm. see it every time that you bring him up in the way that you live your life. So. Thank you for saying that. I can feel my body shutting down because it's like, <laughs> can feel, don't feel. <laughs> right. I know. I'm like, wow. Well, okay. Not a show. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. <clears throat> well, and one question I, I know we have our kind of, our, we have some questions coming up, but one that came to mind that we don't have on this list is if you guys had a shared nursery or a private room and mm-hmm. how that affected bonding because we had both experiences and yeah. both felt very different. So I'd mm-hmm. love to know from you guys, you know, where did, you know, what was your nursery like and how do you felt like that affected bonding as well? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, we were in a shared nursery up until, um, I think the last three weeks that she was in the NICU, then we got our own kind of private room at that point. And so that definitely wasn't a significant, I don't know, kind of informer for me because I was always very self-conscious about the other moms who were there. Oh, me too. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Not wanting to invade their space, Mm -hmm. not wanting Mm -hmm. to, even in talking to her, singing to her. Again, I would remember the first few days when, you know, the nurses were very much like, no, like, we want her to be calm. We want no stimulation quiet, dark. And so I would always think in the back of my mind, you know, we had these dividers um, in between our little pods, but you never knew what was going on on the other side of that divider. And so I had a lot of moments where I was, you know, I would want to sing to her or I would want to, you know, tell her a funny story about something our dog did or do something like that and be kind of hit by, oh, but there's a new baby next to us. And I don't know if they need quiet. Um, And so I think there was definitely a big shift once we were able to move into our own room, because then we had our space, we could play, you know, our music, if we wanted to, we could, you know, do bath in there and do all of that. And that, that I think was a big turning point into just feeling more like, okay, this is our family unit. Now, this isn't us existing in this group. um, And having to I don't know, respect everybody's preferences, mm-hmm. what they want to hear and do. Um, but yeah. yeah. I felt the same exact way. Silas's first 10 days were in a shared nursery, and then the remaining 77 were in a private room. 
And while I missed the feeling of security that the larger nursery provided, because you had mm-hmm. somebody always in the room with you, like there was 10 nurses, every, you know, always yeah. there. It did affect like you, you just kind of felt like you were on eggshells slightly. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was just because we were new, because I do remember seeing other mamas just totally embracing like I'm here and my baby's here and like they were maybe a little bit more loud and you could tell that they'd been there for a while because they were so comfortable Mm -hmm. and I felt so uncomfortable because it was so new to me so I maybe that was part of it Mm -hmm. but um I remember too just feeling like I felt bad for like invading other people's bonding moments I was like am I supposed Mm -hmm. to be hearing this like Mm -hmm. you know like it was beautiful but I was like this feels like a very sacred moment that I'm not supposed to be a part of Mm -hmm. and like all I had was a little curtain dividing us you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) things like that and Mm -hmm. so um it, I totally agree. There was like a difference when we were able to kind of have our own space and even just like bonding with my son with my husband, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, it was yeah. so yeah. different when we had our own space because it was like we both could talk and talk about Silas and, you know, it just felt, mm-hmm. it felt like you were kind of like your own little family unit finally mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you feel that way, Martha? Oh, absolutely. I think you. that's such a good point because I, there is some... I don't mind having hospital stays with my with my husband. I've had a lot of them now. <laughs> yeah. But there's something really special about your entire family is doing just this. Like yeah. the whole world is gone. This is what you're focusing on. And that's one of the cool things about a baby is it's you, your partner, new baby, and you just mm-hmm. focus on that. And mm-hmm. I just had a, a sibling who, who had a new baby and they they really had that time and they had like four hours before even anybody else saw them, you know, and the mm-hmm. nurse can keep them out. But when you're in an open bay like that, or even like, you know, I, I mean, even maybe even in a private room with a NICU, cause you're, you're still can hear beeps and you hear mm-hmm. sounds and the doors are open and people running by and there's emergencies and critical oh. issues around you all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. 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 So it's, you don't have that. <clears throat> and the other thing too, especially with the birthing parent and the non-birthing parent, you're often separated. Mm-hmm. Like one person is in the NICU or at work or one person's in post-op and, you know, so there's that whole element of it as well. So that's a a really important part of bonding. I hadn't thought of that, Ash, that the three of you bonding as a family union or whatever your caregiver dynamic looks like, that's lost as well. And that's Mm -hmm. really hard. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, for sure. It's like everything is just kind of put on pause for a while (laughs) until you get kind of that first sacred moment where it's just the three of you. Or maybe if you have Mm -hmm. other kids, it's like your whole family together for the Mm -hmm. first time, you know. Um, And so, you know, maybe let's chat a little bit, too, about what your NICU team did to encourage bonding. I know I kind of jumped that question a little bit earlier, but, you know, what was there anything that your NICU team did that helped you either gave you permission or you know an activity or something that they did that really encouraged bonding with your baby I think that for our um the first part of our stay the one thing that um kind of our team did that was super helpful was encouraging us to do skin to skin with her Mm -hmm. um so I will admit I was absolutely terrified of doing that um, just Mm -hmm. because she was um, breathing was really hard for her. She was on and off all these different, you know, breathing supports. So she was on a vent, then she was on CPAP, back on the vent, back on like back and forth and back and forth. And 
So, um, and I think especially having our first few days in the NICU be so focused on silence and stillness and darkness and just like the shift felt very abrupt to me to like, oh, so wait, now I can touch her oh, and yeah. pick her up. And oh my, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> like, hold on a There's second. There's like no <laughs> formal announcement about it either. They just no. come in and they turn on all the lights and they're yes. like, new day, yeah, new, exactly. new process. I, I literally, I remember sitting there and having this panic moment of like, <laughs> is this a new nurse? Like, does she not know? Like, right. is she going to cause yeah. all these problems? And, um, you know, just kind of reacting to her. And that I think she really, really, really pushed us to do kangaroo care. And so I got to do it first and it was a whole production, you know, we've got respiratory <laughs> therapists, we've got her neonatologist, we've got a cardiac person, we've got all these people kind of bustling around and making this happen. And then she told me, she's like, so if you do this, you're going to have to stay here for about 90 minutes. She's like, that's the minimum before we move her again. And I was like, mm. oh my God, like, what? <laughs> and then after that, it was like, 90 minutes wasn't enough. I just was like, okay, no, we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're keep trying this. Um, and then I would yeah. alternate with my husband because um, they would, they only wanted her out of her isolate for a certain amount of time each day. And so we would take turns. And I'll admit, I'd stand off to the side and just kind of be like itching to like get in there um, while he had his moment. But I think that was the biggest thing was just not, they were very much, um, they respected kind of my apprehension and my fear, but, um, right. they were very like, no, like you can do this. Yeah. This is fine. Like, don't worry. Mm -hmm. Like we're here. It's going to be okay. And kind of mm -hmm. giving me that, um, I don't know, push off the diving board, so to speak of like, yeah. nope, yeah. we're going to try this and it's going to be good. Um, Absolutely. and so that was, I think that was the biggest thing for us just having that contact with her and not having her as this little you know, figurine in a box, like, mm -hmm. that you could look at, but there wasn't that ability to, you know, touch her in that same way. Mm. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I loved it when the nurses there, because, you know, this is the other thing is we all have had the nurses that maybe breed a little bit of insecurity about our roles apparent. And then we all know the nurses and the providers who are who make you really centered mm -hmm. and that that was so cool but I do remember a travel nurse who like came in and I got confidence in being with JJ and bonding with her because of how she was you know mm -hmm. everyone else would come in and they'd tippy typey at the computer and they'd come over and be like have you done cares blah blah blah, blah. it's all medical talk but the one mom came in and she, or the one nurse came in and she was like Oh my gosh, this baby's gorgeous. And she picked her up from, you know how you can pick up babies from just underneath their armpits uh -huh. and they just kind of hit their legs dangle down. She picked her up like that. And at first I was like, oh my God, but she, <laughs> but she was just so confident with this little tiny baby. Mm -hmm. Like she was a real baby. Like this mm -hmm. was their, the, the loving part, the, the fun parts of baby time, mm -hmm. parenthood, um, were real and valid too. So she, yeah. she gave us so much permission. There it is again <laughs> to be super real. She was like, just take the baby out whenever, just pull her out <laughs> of the crib whenever she was like, I don't know what the protocols are, but she's your baby. 
I'm not saying go against your hospital's protocols, but she just, uh, she like made a cute newborn hat for her. Nobody had made JJ a newborn hat yet. Mm. So she made her that and she like made decorations for her room and she was like, let's do a spa night tonight. I love how the NICUs are doing those little spa nights with babies, you know? Yeah. Um, So she did all these cute things and it was all about... Um, bringing the joy back to the experience because again unless you feel safer and and more more balanced more regulated you're not going to feel that and so that's mm-hmm, what she did mm-hmm. for us it was awesome yeah yeah oh, I love that I totally had I wonder if it was the same nurse Martha uh, well I'll show you a picture of her later yeah yeah show me a picture because <laughs> she sounds very similar to the one who actually encouraged me to read a book to Silas mm-hmm. Um, but I think Lindsay, I resonate too with that fear. I was so eager and excited, but Mm -hmm. I was also super scared and pretty early on in his NICU journey when we had transferred, it was actually after his flight and he had transferred to our new hospital and she asked me, do you want to hold him? And I was like, of course I'd only held him a handful of times, but they were like, I think it would really help, you know, to regulate him a little bit because he had been desatting Mm -hmm. and he desatted on me and I was like, and so I completely lost it. I was like, it's me. I was the one that caused him. It was too stressful. I, you know, we made the choice to transfer. Like you just go through this shame spiral of mm-hmm. like, it's been my fault. And all this bonding we've done is all for crap now because he can't even, I can't even hold him without him. You know, you just go to the worst places, but the same thing, they just kept encouraging me. And I remember there were times when I would notice the nurse would stay just a little bit longer with me to make sure that I felt comfortable you know, she would just want to make sure that I felt safe and that I felt confident. And then when she'd, you know, she'd keep bringing awareness to the fact that the monitors were improving. She'd be like, mm-hmm. look at these sats. Oh, you know, she was like kind of overkilling it, but I needed to know that, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. look at his heart rate. Oh, look, mama, look what you're doing. Because I was so scared of him desatting again. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of that same thing of like, no, mama, this wasn't your fault. Like, you are the safest and best place for him and really giving me that permission because then same thing. I wasn't going to put him away. I was like, heck, <laughs> I'll stay here. I'll get a bedpan if I have to and I will pee my pants or whatever. Like, I'm not letting – he's going to be with me as long as he'll tolerate it. That's a great point. We need yeah. a technical solution for going to the bathroom during kangaroo care. I mean, they yes. do make diapers. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> – that's true. Just it's just not, it's just not the elegant solution I was thinking of. But yes. Would it be more elegant to pee into something in front of people? Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll just, I don't know. We'll call Jeff Bezos. We'll figure it out. Yes. Oh, man. I love it. If you are a longtime listener of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast, or you have found yourself enjoying this episode, we would greatly appreciate a review on iTunes. Reviews on Apple and other platforms help other mamas and friends just like you find our podcast, help boost us so that we are more available and accessible to others, and they let us know that you're loving what you're hearing too. So we love to hear the stories that you're connecting with. We love to hear how the episodes resonate with you, and having that review is a great way for us to get a really tangible feel of how this podcast resonates with your heart. So... You know, it's no secret that bonding can feel difficult. And maybe we already chatted about it initially, kind of missing those golden hour moments. But was there a time in the NICU when bonding felt difficult? And was there a reason for that difficulty? I mean, was there something happening in their life or in your mental health that made that difficult? I mean, I think for me it was when I – I know when she had been in the NICU for a couple of weeks, I was definitely in some pretty – beautiful denial about how long she was going to be there 
And so I think for me, the, the point that was the hardest was when I started to realize that I was going to have to go either go back to work or use my maternity leave in the NICU. Mm. And, you know, my, my employer was wonderful. They were super flexible, but I got that email of, okay, tell us what you want to do. Should we start your FMLA and your maternity leave? Or do you want to start doing some work? And it, it definitely hit me like a truck of this just feeling of, oh my God, like there's not enough time at this point. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel, I was starting to feel a bit of a bond with her, but I didn't feel that maternal feeling. It was more of a protection, like a, I am here to keep you breathing and I am here to keep you like, I am, I'm here as just a, you know, vigilant statue next to you, you know, (laughs) making sure nobody does anything that I, I need to know everything that's happening. And so I ended up kind of going through this this moment of I am going to shove every bonding experience that I possibly can into this mm-hmm. short window. And I am going to, if I will it hard enough and if I love on her hard enough and if I do all the things exactly 110% right, she will come home before this time is up. And so for about two weeks, I feel like I took a huge step backward in bonding with her because I put so much pressure on it and so much like I didn't do it from that place of vulnerability and joy. I did it from this like almost checklist of, okay, today I sang to you. I did your cares. I held you. I did that. Like, why aren't you, you know, back to, you know, your birth weight yet? Why aren't we doing this yet? Like, I'm not, I'm just not doing it hard enough. So I'm going to hit it even harder tomorrow. And it just, I had to really take a step back. Um, my husband actually was the one who was like, "Hey, so mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna take a little break and uh, take a couple steps away and kind of think talk through this a little bit." Um, because yeah, it it I think that was the hardest part was just seeing her. I almost I would almost get like flustered and not scared, but like almost angry when we would have a setback because I had what I thought was this ticking clock and, you know, there wasn't, and it, it all in my brain came down to me not, again, it was that voice in the back of my head that like, you didn't have that instantaneous connection with her. Like you don't have that mom feeling with her Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, she knows, like she can sense it somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, So going 110% the other direction was just, I don't even know how to describe um, it had the opposite effect of what I, what I intended yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. And that was really yeah. tough. That was a hard couple weeks. So did you go back to work or did you use your maternity leave? I did a combination. So, um, wow. I was able to use part of my maternity leave. Um, and then I transitioned into a new position at my organization, which allowed me to work from the NICU. Um, so I was able to do my meetings and do, you know, my email and my projects from the NICU. And then when she got discharged, um, at the end of July, I still had about four weeks left. Um, Mm -hmm. so she still ended up, you know, I ended up going back to work much sooner than I wanted to, but at least I was able to, you know, kind of spread it out in a creative way. 
But yeah, until mm-hmm. I figured that out, I was kind of in a bit of a spiral of oh, for just, sure. yeah, the relentlessness of time. Um, yes. For yeah. sure. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. I, I think my difficult moment was when Silas was in so much pain because of mm-hmm. his hernias. Um, so he had... Um, he had hernias in his scrotum and in his belly button, but the ones in his scrotum kept getting worse and worse. And it was also this, like, you're learning to be a mom, mm-hmm. but you're also learning to be an advocate mm-hmm. at the same time, learning your baby in like a very mm-hmm. like non-maternal setting, like you're in a hospital, you know? Mm-hmm. And so all of these things at once, it was like you were flexing all these different muscles and at the same time trying to bond, but your baby was in so much pain. And so you were like, am I picking up this cry right? This seems like it's more than what I think it is. And thankfully, his most of his medical team was very much like, nope, you're the one that knows him best. You have a mom gut. Like, if anything concerns you, please, please bring it up. But there were times when I wasn't believed or I was kind of brushed off as like an overreactive parent. And mm-hmm. I was like, but I've been bonding. Like, I, I should know him. I know him. You know, mm-hmm. like different things. And then also, you know, there were moments when – he was in so much pain and he was screaming in his isolate and I had to tap my husband and say tap in I have to tap out because Mm -hmm. it hurt so bad to see them and I mean there's nothing like seeing your baby in pain like that and so Ryan would tap in and he would I would be in the room but I couldn't I had to almost just like remove myself from the immediate situation for a few minutes to collect myself because it just hurt so bad and so Bonding felt very vulnerable in those moments and very scary because he was just in so much pain. Mm-hmm. But it definitely made some of that bonding really difficult because you just didn't know what to trust. Your mom gut? Mm-hmm. Is it are we making it up? You know, are we bonded enough for me to know and to catch on these things? I think so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I agree with the, like just this kind of idea of imposter syndrome for, yeah. for mm-hmm. moms and parents, I guess. If for, I think about you know, again, with JP, the, the numbness and stuff like that. And, and, uh, I was very self-conscious that I wasn't reacting correctly Mm -hmm. and you bring up questions and stuff to the care team. And sometimes they say, Oh, nope, nope. You know, they're, they're really flippant with you. You don't understand a lot of the medical terminology too. You Mm -hmm. don't understand what's happening. And so a lot of it felt like, um, confirmation that I didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. that the universe or God or something was telling me that, oh, well, you're not feeling it because you're just not cut out, mm-hmm. you know? So that was what the the kids call an intrusive thought, but I didn't know that at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So you have these, these super anxious thoughts about just like that are very, uh, that are critical of yourself. I mean, I think that's, you know, when a lot of times when people think about anxiety and how it might limit bonding, I think they think of, you know, hyper arousal and hyper um, vigilance and all, all those types of things. And that definitely is the case. But I think for a lot of us, it's actually anxiety about yourself and mm-hmm. about your identity as a mother, mm-hmm. as as a brand new parent and this bond. Yeah, and yeah. so, so yeah, I think that was when it, it felt the the hardest you bring up I like how you mentioned that because that's something I've felt but haven't verbalized is mm-hmm. like wanting to react in a way that's a appropriate mm-hmm. b like isn't dramatic yeah 
and like C is like looks maternal like you know when they Mm -hmm. deliver a diagnosis or a situation or anything throughout your stay it's like you feel kind of like you're being watched a little bit like oh how is she going to respond you know because you see both options in the movies right you see the hysterical parent you see the parent who's just like you know and you're like which one should I be right which one is the right way and again coming back to permission (laughs) that could be the the episode of this thing just permission Mm -hmm. is you know there's no right or wrong way to respond Mm -hmm. and you know like the way that you respond is the right way because it's your body it's your motherhood experience and it's not going to look like so and so's Mm -hmm. does Mm -hmm. I mean we even talked about like Martha how we would unintentionally compare our our mental health to each other early on of like oh she's handling this well but I'm not handling this well Mm -hmm. it's the same with bonding you know Mm -hmm. oh she's so bonded why am I not or vice versa and it's like we like to compare when it's like man it's all we know how to do is all we know how to do and that's 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 enough you know yeah well I appreciate you verbalizing that and I remember too you talking about like does this look like bonding I had a nurse early on in Sloan's stay who made a comment that was like oh my gosh you two are so bonded you're so bonded Mm. to each other and I didn't feel it at all this was Mm. baking it until I made it and so I had this whole just kind of crisis of oh my god like okay so it looks like I am but Mm. I'm not feeling it like I'm not I'm here all the time I'm writing all this Mm -hmm. stuff I'm doing kangaroo but like I still don't feel the way I'm supposed to and so that I think I think she meant it in a very encouraging way but for me it was this mirror of oh my god like yeah you're it's looking right but you don't you're not feeling it like you're supposed to and so Yeah, I think being able to release that comparison is so mm-hmm. important. And and really understand what, what bonding is. It's not just mm-hmm. a sensation or a feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. It's not 24-7, 100% of your day. Think about it like you think about your spouse, okay? Do you feel love <laughs> for them 100% of the day? Absolutely not. And, you, and it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Your choice, it's a relationship like any other relationship. And so that really was eye-opening to me as well, is having people say to me, bonding doesn't just take place. And then it's a light switch and it's on for life. Mm-hmm. You are committed to raising your child, getting to know your child, just like you talked about with Sloan, who they are, what they what they want to become, you know, the nuances of who they are as their identity. Mm-hmm. And it is a lifetime commitment mm-hmm. to your child. So bonding isn't more a feeling as it is a commitment. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, and I... I actually wanted to really quick read. So we had done a post back in May and we'll probably post it again around the time of this episode because it's surrounding this theme of bonding. But we did a post about how a mother's bond is with her baby is more than felt. And some of the other responses that our team put together was a mother's bond is built. A mother's bond is tended to. A mother's bond is nurtured. A mother's bond is personal. A mother's bond is always evolving. A mother's bond goes beyond what is tangible. And I love all of those, again, permissions, <laughs> because when it's not immediately felt, it doesn't mean that it's not there. And so just to know that and know that like, oh my gosh, I'm not broken. Mm-hmm. I love my baby with every cell in my body. Even if I don't feel an immediate bond, it's still there. Mm-hmm. It exists. It's so powerful. That's beautiful. Who wrote yeah. that? Did you write that? 
Our editorial team wrote that. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> My I just, favorite I didn't women. Write it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, well, we are getting close to some of the ending of our episode here, but we wanted to make sure to also touch quickly on bonding after NICU because those oftentimes are two very different experiences in many different ways. And so I'd love to know from you guys, how did bonding change when you came home? And was there anything that you did that helped you continue to foster that bond with your babies when you came home? I think for me, what what it shifted was that feeling of normal. So like it didn't feel the way that I had pictured. Um, And being in the hospital, there's so much that goes into that. You're constantly being, you know, interrupted. You're trying to figure out where you are as part of this care team. Um, but coming home and being able to see her with the toys that I had bought for her, mm. you know, interacting with that, getting to see her and our cat, you know, as crazy as that sounds, yeah. you know, no, getting yeah. to see them together and like her starting to, I feel like her personality really came out when she came home. And so there wasn't that self-consciousness anymore of, am I you know, being too loud or am I doing too much or am I overstepping? It was more like, okay, this is our place. And now I get to try some things out and see Mm -hmm. if if you like this. Um, And so Mm -hmm. it was also really great to, you know, there were a lot of, I'm not going to lie, there were a lot of nights where I was absolutely panicked and certain that I was going to do something terrible you know, like that I'd do mm-hmm. something wrong or that she wasn't eating enough, that that anxiety didn't go away. But we were able to have these quiet moments, just the two of us. And we were able mm-hmm. to, you know, go for a walk around our neighborhood. We were able to, you know, experience some of the things that, you know, she hadn't gotten to. And um, like I said, our personality started to come out. I started seeing more of her spunk mm-hmm. and more of her um, she let me know her opinions right away, <laughs> which was great. I love um, that. And um, I think that just allowed us to, you know, just keep adding bricks to that foundation. We just kept adding every day. We did something a little different and we're able to, to really get to know each other and to find that balance with each other and that, that connection. And, you know, looking back now, three years later, it's, um, it's been a journey. I mean, it's definitely not something, you know, like y'all said, it wasn't a switch that flipped. It was a full, you know, hike that we took together. And um, it's, yeah, I think giving, giving yourself the ability to take things as they come and to experience the moments as they come and to acknowledge that, you know, good days and bad days happen. And there are going to be days where you have no idea what your kiddo is doing or why they're doing it or what, you know, what is going through their head. And then there are going to be moments where you have your instincts kick in and you just intuitively have a feeling of what they need and that it is just a process. It's a, it's an, evol- it's an evolution, I guess is the yeah. right way to say it. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, for sure. I think for us, it 
I, when we got home, we often say like the awakening of all of your emotions, like you start Mm -hmm. to really feel a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And not only was I feeling, you know, maybe some of my trauma or my, my experiences of what we'd gone through, some of the anxieties and the fears, but I also really started to feel the love Mm -hmm. that I had. I mean, I always knew that it was there, but it was like, whoa, like I'm very in love with this kid. Like, (laughs) I mean, I loved him in the valley. I loved him in the NICU, but like, wow, like we've gone through some pretty crazy stuff together and he's here and and you know the love part almost freaked me out because it was so powerful and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my goodness and I remember texting Martha and Kendra often of just like this love scares me because it 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 feels so all-consuming and I'm just like scared of losing him Mm -hmm. I just had these super intrusive thoughts of loss and just terrified that once we didn't have our safety net I wouldn't know what to do in different Mm -hmm. things and so um therapy was really helpful in me silencing and and calming some of those thoughts but the thing that we did that really helped me bond with Silas is for the first almost first year of his life I got nothing done because I held him for almost every single nap time Mm -hmm. which sounds kind of extreme and it kind of was but kangaroo care was my favorite part of the NICU I would do it for hours and hours and hours And I really missed having that, like, concentrated eight, ten hours a day doing that. (laughs) And so I would hold him for every nap, and I would just study him. Mm. I would trace his face. I would trace his hands, and I would get to know the parts of him I didn't know because he had a a breathing mask or a CPAP on, and I didn't Mm -hmm. get to see the ridge of his nose. Or, you know, I, I would just study every intricate detail from his little ears, his hair growing in, and I would just immerse myself in just awing and loving him and... I was just feeling that steady breath on my chest or in my arms. I just, it gave me that sense of bonding that sometimes was hard to do when you're just like rushing through your day. Mm-hmm. And so for me, nap times and, and going to bed were some of my favorite, most treasured moments of his first year of life because it's when I really felt like I got to know him mm-hmm. and I got to know these physical parts of him. And it was just, I, I will never regret not getting that work done or house clean because it meant just studying and googly-eyeing my my son. And to this day, I still rock him to sleep at night. Me and Ryan still, because that's just like part of our routine now. So mm-hmm. that's what we did. How about you, Martha? Well, I think this is great because we're just kind of showcasing like all different types of experiences mm-hmm. with homecoming. And uh with JJ, when she came home, I what I didn't I didn't do well. I didn't mm-hmm. do well emotionally. So it actually it took me probably four or five months to start feeling like myself again. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really going through the motions mm-hmm. um, with PTSD. So you know, and that's not the case for everybody. I don't mm-hmm. want anyone to be scared by it. It was just my reality, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, keep in mind I had my loss with JP too. So the idea mm-hmm. that I had a baby and then I was able to bring them home and then they left me alone with a baby was very terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't sleep for many days. She also was a horrific sleeper, horrible <laughs> sleeper. Sleeping also like it takes out like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have enough mm-hmm. sleep or when you're not eating correctly or yeah. when you're mm-hmm. not meeting your basic needs, you don't yep. feel like a person and you're not capable of doing those things too. Yeah. So I pretty quickly started seeing somebody. I, um, started medication and that need that was what I needed for me and I was vigilant about it um and it is why I 
am close with JJ today. Had I not done that, had I not realized what I needed, you know, and some of that was starting Dear Nikki Mama and going back to work to have a sense of identity. It seems strange to think of an idea of taking time away from your Mm -hmm. child, but because of that, I felt more like myself Mm -hmm. and also identifying that being an example and being a healthy person is an important element of bonding for your child because they need stability. Yes. And so it, that, that was just really eye opening for me and kind of how our bonding Mm -hmm. life evolved. And now she never wanted to fall asleep in my arms. She was always like, get away from me. Who are you? You're disgusting. (laughs) And now, um, she's touching me every five seconds. Hey mama. Hey mama. What's this? I can't get her to go to sleep at night. She just wants to talk to me all the time. We're best friends. We're also like the same person. So I think that's part of it that's fun too. As they get older, mm-hmm. you see parts of yourself and of your partner um, in them. And then that is also an element of bonding too. So I, mm-hmm. I'm loving how it's changing all the time. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait till she's a teenager and she's yelling at me. Um, <laughs> it will be hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, write, the, write those words oh, down yeah. because I will come to regret them later. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, so I, beautiful. I can't stress too, like, I know I didn't mention it initially, but yeah, therapy is huge. Like, mm-hmm. I think that just giving yourself a space to be honest and raw and like work through the anxiety and the PTSD and the things that come along with going through this experience Um, the way that my therapist described it was that, um, basically your heart is like a Tootsie Roll pop and you have Mm. to get through all the hard stuff to get to the candy inside. And the longer you have that hard stuff out on the outside, the more difficult it is to like chip away at the more licks it takes. That sounds really weird to say. (laughs) We get it. Yeah. Yeah. The more licks it takes to get to the center. And so, you know, I think if I hadn't been doing that work, Two, very similarly to Martha, I can't imagine having the bond I have with her now because there was so much, so much just stuff, I guess, just surrounding it and making it Mm -hmm. really challenging to, to -hmm. get there. Yeah. We've talked on episodes with providers who've said this, we've mentioned it here today and throughout many of the stories that are shared, but safety is essential to... Mm -hmm everything we do and that's no exception to bonding Mm -hmm. and oftentimes when you first come home from the NICU that feeling of safety you have to redefine for yourself Mm -hmm. and so it makes sense that we don't automatically feel this like oh everything's great I'm so bonded now we get to start this next chapter because we're just redefining what safety looks like Mm -hmm. because for however long our NICU stays were that became safe monitors became safe Having NICU staff there became safe. And you come home and all of that's ripped away. And you're like, oh, I don't know what safety is, let alone in my brain, because nothing feels safe. <laughs> so I think, again, that permission that that there's no timeline to feeling that bond because it's there. You will feel it. It, it just may not be right away. And that is okay. You're not broken. So, Lindsay, maybe as a closing statement, what encouragement would you have for Nikki mamas whose bonding experience is different than they expected? Um, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is just to embrace the vulnerability that comes with it and that there mm-hmm. isn't a wrong way to go about it. Um, 
give yourself a lot of grace because this entire experience, whether you knew that you were going to be heading into the NICU or whether it was a surprise, whether it's, you know, early or something has happened at the birth that made it so that NICU became part of your experience. There's no wrong or right way to process what's happening. And the biggest thing that I felt a lot of relief around was that bonding is a bunch of tiny little moments. So even if you have a bad day, even if it's like a day where you don't feel super connected, you don't feel like yourself, you don't want to be there. You know, I had a number of days in the NICU where I would just sit there and look out the window and be like, this is not where I want to be spending my time. I'm really mad Mm -hmm. that I'm here. Even then, those little pearls of connection that you have, those moments you read a book, those moments you, you know, sit with them while you're pumping or look at their picture or sing to them. Or, you know, sometimes I would just narrate what was in the room to her because, Mm. you know, I was just trying to fill some time. And all of those add up. All of Mm. those create that bond. And so you know, every little piece, you're, you're moving forward, even if it's a tiny little baby step, you're moving forward. And speaking as someone three years out, it, it adds up, and it becomes a really powerful connection. And so give yourself a lot of grace and don't, don't put the pressure on that it has to look or be a certain way. So good, my friend. That's beautiful. Well, this episode has been so lovely. I could talk to you ladies for 10 more hours. This is so, so fun. Um, And thank you to both of you for being so vulnerable and for sharing um, pieces of your journey and your heart. And to any NICU, to all of the NICU mamas listening today, we hope that you have heard the buzzword permission loud and clear Mm -hmm. throughout the episode because we hope that that's one of your biggest takeaways is that you have permission to give yourself space, to give yourself grace, to take away the pressures that we often feel as moms, to to have that permission to address that shame and say not today, like Mm -hmm. to offer yourself that compassion and to know that you are a good mom. Mm -hmm. In fact, you are the best mom for your baby and you're not doing this wrong. Your baby knows your love and you will feel that bond if you don't feel it immediately in time. So Nikki Mama, we hope that you felt heard and seen today and just know that you are not alone in your feelings. And sometimes they feel really scary and really overwhelming, but know that you're not alone in them and you are worth it. So we love you. We love this sisterhood and uh, we can't wait to catch you guys next week in honor of this beautiful month of Nikki Celebration Month. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.